I'm going to have a Bible reading now from Psalm 24. If you'd like to look along on the screens or read it uh, in your Bible, that's fantastic. So Psalm 24, let's go. The earth, is, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend to the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god, they will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Saviour. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is he, this king of glory? The Lord Almighty, he is the King of glory. Let's pray. Jesus, we just want to pray now that your word will come, will surround us, will intercept our hearts and transform us more into more like you. Holy Spirit, we invite you in now to speak to us, to help us to see, to help us to hear your words. I pray you will help us have the courage to step into new life each day, new thinking, new actions, new attitudes. And Jesus, I just pray now that you will have control of this place by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks, Nate. I would have been looking for that. Um, in, when was it, 1997, 1998, I went to the Salvation Army's training college to become a Salvation Army officer, and in Easter 1998, we did what they called Easter campaigns, and so a team of us, of my session mates, were taken with our training officer up to Taree, and um, to do Easter meetings and outreaches and all kinds of things, and um, it's really important who you have on your team, isn't it? Um, and our training officer, I'm not sure how much she exerted her power over our team, um, choosing it and choosing the jobs we would have, some I think, but I'm not sure how much thought she put into who was going to drive us to Tari. And we drove in a 15-seat minibus, and um, it was the old road. I don't know if you know the old road to Tari that wound up the mountain. And so my session mate Russell was driving, and um, halfway up the range to Taree, poor Marie, our training officer, turned a really interesting shade of green. And I'm not sure if Russell cared too much or was feeling a bit passive-aggressive that day, but he didn't slow down. And so Marie's sitting in the back of the bus going, Russell, slow down! Russell! Russell, slow down! Russell! And it's still funny, but I still, we still joke about this, don't we? Because when we're coming back to Sydney after the weekend, we're going through, <laughs> and it wasn't as bad, we're going through the suburbs of Sydney to drop some people off. And, and Marie was still, I think she had trauma. Um, Russell, Russell, slow down, Russell. She wasn't sick that time. 
And my mate Alan said, keep on trucking, Russ. <laughs> and so now when I'm struggling, I'm like, okay, keep on trucking. But it's important who we have on our team, isn't it? And it's important who we place in what position. And I don't know if you're a good passenger or not. Um, but this morning I want to talk about making sure we've got God on our team. A better way to say that is want to make sure that we're on God's team. Because he's actually driving the bus whether we like it or not. And so we want to be on his bus. Otherwise we end up on our own bus or someone else's bus. And I'll tell you what, you'll turn real green if you're on the wrong bus. So I want to just work through this. I've only got three points, but I've got a thousand sub points, so we'll have to go quick. But I wanted to work through um, Psalm 24. So the first point there is it's a good idea to have God on your team, or you could say it's a good idea to be on God's team. What are we talking about there? So here's my first two sub points. Verse 1, I'm just going to work through each verse of this psalm. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Adam, if you could just leave that up there for a while. It's a good idea to have God on your team or be on his team because he owns everything. I want you just to look at that verse for a moment and ponder it. The earth is the Lord's. Not sure last time we checked in on him about how he felt about that. We act like as if it's ours. Hey, we act like as if we can fix it. <laughs> I laugh at the environmental movement, friends. Because God's in charge of the environment. And if last time you read your Bible, it says there's going to be earth pains. Now, it might be caused by green gases, gold, whatever gases. It, you know, I don't care about the science. I care about what the Word of God says. Should we be good stewards of the environment? Absolutely, we should. But we shouldn't panic because it's His. He actually says he's going to make a new one. So is humanity in its arrogance saying, oh, we're going to fix, save the world. We haven't saved it yet. God's got a better plan. He's actually going to make a new one. And if you give your life to him, you'll be part of it. I'm on that bus, friends. You want to get on that bus? I do. But look at the rest of it. The world and all who live in it. God owns you. How do you feel about that? That gives me comfort. That might freak you out. But it actually gives me comfort that God owns me. Hey? I just think that we, we skip over these kind of verses. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So you think you own some stuff. You don't. It's just on loan from God. That's why we should be looking after it because it's not really ours. So God's the boss, He's driving the bus. So it's a good idea to be on his bus or on his team and have some reverence about that. Secondly, it's good to be on God's team because he made everything. For he founded it on the seas, he established it on the waters. Yesterday, who loves Google? How useful. Come on, who loves Google? You got to tell me you don't use Google how many times a week? Yesterday, I had an exciting time putting a 15-year-old stereo in a 30-year-old car. Now, that would have been really difficult without Google. Because you can Google how a Ford laser is wired up, the wiring loom. I actually found that, right, on Google. And you can Google how a Sony, I think it's CDX 2200, <laughs> CD player, radio CD, the colours on the back of it, what they mean. So you can get the right colours with the right colours. Hey? 
How good are you go to the owner's manual? You know the problem with evolution? I'm not going to go to a gorilla to ask how to run my life or an amoeba or whatever the hell they think we come from. I was created by Father God and that's who I'm going to when I want to see the owner's manual. That's why I read the Bible, friends. Because it's God's owner's manual of how to run life. When's the last time you went to the Bible to work out how to run your life? It's okay to go to Google as long as you Google Bible. Okay? Some great online commentaries on the Bible. Let's use it for good, not for evil, hey? It's a good idea to have God on our team or be on his team because he's the one that made everything. He knows how it works. He even knows how I work. I'm still working that out. But if I want to get to know myself better, I want to get to know God better. That's how I get to know myself better. That's how I get to know what, how to do life better. Secondly, he welcomes and blesses those who trust in Jesus. Now, here's a scary question, right? Verse 3, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? In other words, how can I have a relationship with this God? The Israelites in the Old Testament understood this principle because they had the fear of the Lord that you can't be in the presence of God and have sin. Actually, what they did in the, in the temple and in the tabernacle, they had the high priest would go in once a year into the Holy of Holies and the Holy of Holies represented the presence of God, and it was this curtain, and he'd go in, and they actually tie a rope to the guy, right? Because they were so convinced that if that guy had any sin on his, in his life, and he went into the presence of God with sin in his life, not being right with God, he'd actually die. And no one else was going in there to get him out, just in case, so they'd pull him out with a rope. Sometimes we need that level of fear of the Lord today, hey? We take God for granted. We don't show him the respect. Friends, we can treat how God, God however we like, but when we stand before him, we'll find out the truth. Hey? We need a bit of reverent fear of the Lord. It says, who may... Not just, not just, David's not just taking this for granted. That we can all just... I heard this on the radio this morning, right? 80% of people in America, Christian or not Christian, believe in heaven. I wonder what percentage believes in hell. Because we all think we're just going to heaven. Well, you're not, friends. It's a free ticket only if we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And it's about time the church started preaching it again. It's not taken for granted here. Who may ascend? Who may stand in his holy place? Well, here, praise God, we get to verse 4 and it answers the question. Through trusting in Jesus, our deeds become good and our hearts become pure. Now, what do we mean by that? The verse will come up there, I think. Yeah, that one. So who can ascend? He answers the question. Who can ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who can stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. Now, in the Old Testament times, um, they'd offer sacrifices, and by faith they believed that sacrifice would pay the price. You see, the, 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 the negative of this is I haven't got the ability to have clean hands and a pure heart. I actually can't. And this is where we see Jesus in this psalm, is that he is actually the one who came and had clean hands, never sinned, and a pure heart, never had a wrong motive. See, sometimes I do the right thing, but it's not always with the right motive. So I even stuff that up. Sometimes I don't even know my own heart. But Jesus has clean hands 
pure heart. And so how do I come into the presence of God? Through Jesus. Through trusting that he came, lived a sinless life with completely pure motives. And when I put my trust in him, then I can enter. And that's why when Jesus died, the curtain in the old temple tore. Supernaturally tore because God was saying, because of Jesus now, you don't need a priest to go in once a year and offer a sacrifice. You can come because of Jesus into my presence. That's amazing, friends, that we can do that. And my third sub-point for number two is when we trust in Jesus, we don't trust in idols. I had a medical procedure this week. I won't go into details, but I have photos if you'd like to see them. Not with me. It'll be a special appointment. We'll talk, we'll talk about it later. You find out what your idol is, hey, when it's running rough, right? So Tuesday night, about 5.30, you can ask my kids how dysfunctional I was. I hadn't had a coffee or any food since 8 o'clock that morning. No coffee. Yeah, that's right. Got ugly. It is a scary thought. And I was starting to think, where do, how, how do I comfort myself? Coffee, food. It's just good to think about sometimes, hey, especially when times are tough. Um, when the wheels fall off, where do we go to first? I'll tell you what, my worst idol is other than food and coffee is people. When times get tough for me, I'll run to people instead of to God. Well, they're my idols. What are yours? Where do you go when it gets hard? What do you turn to when, it, when the wheels fall? Because in those tough times, that's what shows us our own hearts, friends. Whether we turn to God first or second or third. And that's what it's saying here, when we, who does not trust, um, one translation says, who does not lift up his soul to an idol. In other words, does not trust an idol. And again, we're talking about Jesus. He never trusted an idol. He only trusted in the Father. But also, I think, gives us a sign for us that when times are tough, if we turn to Jesus, we know that our hearts are fully towards him. If we turn to something else, maybe our hearts aren't fully towards Jesus. Maybe we're not as committed to him as we think or hope we are. Full sub to point there, I told you I had a lot. Through trusting in Jesus, we are blessed and made right with God. They will receive a blessing from the God, from the Lord, those who trust in him, and vindication or righteousness from God, their Savior. Um, David Guzik, Guzik, I don't know how to pronounce his name, does a great commentary though. He said this, This blessing may be understood sometimes, the blessing talked about in verse 5, in rewards that God grants to the obedient, other times it may be understood as a natural result of living according to God's wise order. I should have put that on the screen, shouldn't I? I love that. The blessing that comes is sometimes a natural result of living according to God's wise order. Let's flip that on its head. Sometimes the lack of blessing is because we're not living according to God's wise order. Just a thought. Just want to ask the question. But when we follow Jesus, there's a blessing that comes with it. And secondly, righteousness. The word vindication here can be interpreted righteous. In other words, when we trust in Jesus and what he has done, it puts us in right relationship with God. You know the other thing of this? I know Jesus is the one with the clean hands and the pure heart, right? But when we put our trust in him, it starts to clean up my act 
and purify my heart. Does that make sense? And I think we need to believe in that too, is that my heart's purer today than it was 30 years ago because I've been following Jesus for 30 years. Is it totally pure? No. Okay, the heart is deceitfully wicked. I don't think it gets totally pure until we get to heaven. Are my deeds always good? No, but they're a lot better than they were 30 years ago because Jesus is in my life and I'm trusting him. So we need to trust Jesus, not just that he has clean hands and a pure heart, but that he can give, give us the power by his spirit to do good deeds and have pure motives. And the fifth sub-point in number two is through seeking Jesus, we can enter into a committed relationship with God. Such is a generation who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Now, the reference there to God of Jacob is talking about a covenant-keeping, covenant relationship God, right? And I love this word, covenant, because we don't understand covenant relationships today because at weddings, we put pretty red flower petals down the aisle instead of dead animal carcasses. See, what they used to do was cut an animal in half and stick half on one side and half on the other side, walk through the middle of that and make a covenant commitment. Why? Why are they killing things? And, you know, I mean, that wouldn't go down. I don't see any bridal places advertising that today. <laughs> but maybe they should and marriages would happen better if we realized that a covenant relationship, two people have to die to self. See, when I got married, I was only thinking about what I could get. I'll just be honest, and I was a Christian. No one had really convinced me or taught me that I needed to die to what I wanted. It's the same when we follow Jesus. See, sometimes I think we sell the gospel wrong. We say, Come to Jesus, life will be awesome, you'll be blessed. And that's true, but you have to die to everything you want. Still want to sign up? Jesus doesn't dumb it. Val put a hand down. We have at least one. You know what? And that's not so funny. I've never seen anyone with such a calling to serve the church on their life as Val. Hey, amazing. Val has generally given up her life to follow Jesus. I know there's other people that have in this room as well. But what you want actually is irrelevant once you start following Jesus. And every day, I don't know about you, but this sucker keeps wanting to live. Myself, Will, I'm talking about. So every day, if I don't get up and go, Jesus, I'm living for you today, I tend to find I'm running on my own strength, on my own will. But a covenant relationship. See, Jesus died for me. And so I need to die. That's what baptism is all about. Going down the water, symbolism of dying to self. Coming out of the water, coming alive in Christ and living in him. And living according to his way of living. And so through seeking Jesus, we can enter into a committed or a covenant relationship with God. Third point. It's our choice to open our hearts and welcome him in. I could go into a lot more detail with this, but I won't. Um, lift up your heads, you gates, be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. In the Bible, gates often represent our will. And so this is a picture, and it, you know, it's, it's a, really a prophecy pointing to lots of things. When Jesus came into Jerusalem, we, a lot of people believe. But it's also a picture of us having the opportunity to open our hearts 
See, God welcomes us, but we need to welcome him. Well, through Jesus, God welcomes us. Because Jesus died, he says, come on, you can be part of my family now because of what Jesus did. You're welcome. But our response to that needs to be to welcome him into our hearts by opening the gates of our hearts to him. It's disappointing, really, isn't it, that God's given us a will. But it's the only way for it to be real. It's the only way for love to be real. You know, if you manage to manipulate someone into a relationship with you, that's not love. That's just some kind of weird codependence. But if they have as much freedom to just go as they do to stay, then you know it's real. And God knows that. And so he gives us the freedom to leave. He, he gives us the freedom to not follow. That's real freedom. You won't get that from religion or, you know, you won't get it from anywhere, I don't think. That level of freedom. You know, he said, come follow me. And if you know the story of the rich young ruler, he had the option and he chose his riches over following Jesus. And I didn't see Jesus run after him, trying to manipulate him. Oh, come on, please come to church. Jesus just let him go. We have the choice. Sometimes I wish we didn't, but we have the choice to walk away. Or we have the choice to not follow. But what choice do we want to make? Through Jesus is our choice to welcome him in. And I really like this next point. And I love how the Bible does this. Um, sub point two from point three. Are you confused yet? I just do this so I don't get lost. I don't, I don't know if it helps you or not. Is it there? There you go. So verse 9 and 10 is really verse 7 and 8 just repeated. Hey, how good is that? Like Jesus, right? When Jesus was about to say something important, what did he say? Truly, truly. Hey? And Bible commentators say, as is common in Hebrew poetry, repetition communicates emphasis. God's okay with repeating himself. Why? Because you just don't hear him the first ten times. So he just keeps speaking. Praise God, he just keeps speaking. So that sooner or later we might hear it. Hopefully. Can you put the sub point back up? Because I just want to, you know, make the point. So opening our hearts to Jesus is a really, really good idea. Have you ever missed a sign? I missed a really important sign once. I was traveling. This was about 1991. We're traveling from Brisbane to Moree as electricians. And it wasn't my car. Praise God. It was like a, you see that oldness come out of me now it was like a I don't know it's an old Holden panel van V8 and the guy said oh can you drive for a while okay I was like, always happy to drive a V8 we don't have many car lovers in the congregation obviously and so anyway we're flogging along in this V8 panel van that this guy owned that I was working with with full of gear in the back right and we're just flogging along this country road having a great oh, I was having a great time and it's this big red sign that said, reduce speed. I went, oh, yeah, dropped it a few K. You know. 
There's other signs. So it's reduced speed. Another one. I went, oh, yeah, I'll drop another five k. And there's this other sign that said, reduce, big red sign, reduce speed now. <laughs> and by then, it was too late because we hit these, you know when they do the speed bumps like at the end of the freeway up near Hexham? And, and we hit, I hit this too fast. And so me, the guy next to me, and all the stuff in the back was going up and down. Like, you know, oops. And praise God, they put the bumps in the road because it was actually the highway come to a T-intersection. Praise God how we make roads in Australia, hey? What's wrong with that? A T-intersection highway. And if the bumps hadn't been there, I would have probably not made the T-intersection, hey? How many signs do we need, friends? Seriously. I need a few. I'm, you know, Jesus, I take comfort. Jesus turned to his disciples one day and said, are you still so dull? See, sometimes we just pull out the warm words of Jesus, don't we? We have to pull out the truth words sometimes. I look in the mirror and go, why are you still so dull? And I'm not being critical to myself. I'm just understanding that I'm human and I'm a bit thick. That I need to be in the Word every day to remind myself of what's right, what's wrong, the way to live and the way not to live. So I love it that David got it and he repeated this. It's a really good idea to open our hearts to Jesus. Well, I don't know if my mate Russell was really trustworthy to be behind the wheel, but God is. He's behind the wheel of the world, and so it's a good idea to be on his team. This morning as the worship team comes, um, I want us to, well, two things. If you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, it's a really good idea. And if you don't know how you... See, sometimes, and I love, right? You know, my passion is the healing of the human heart. And so I'm often going to ask people how you go on emotionally because often that's what people neglect. You know, Christians will, to some degree, worry about their physical health, often worry about their spiritual health and neglect their emotional health. Um, But this, this week I was talking to someone who wasn't well I said, oh, how are you? And because they knew me, I can't remember who it was, because they knew me, they just started answering how they were emotionally. <laughs> I said, no, I'm actually asking how you are physically. But this morning I want to ask you how you are spiritually. I want to ask you how you are spiritually. Do you know the love of Jesus? I'm not in here, I'm talking about here. I was listening to something yesterday talk about the peace that passes understanding. We can't actually understand it. So the only way to understand it is to experience it. So I still don't understand peace here. But I have friends, I understand peace here. I still don't understand God's love here fully. But I really do understand God's love here. And so this morning I want to ask you, do you know Him? Do you walk with Him? Do you live with Him? Do you, are you aware of His presence? Not just in a place like this. But when you're awake at 3 o'clock in the morning on your bed, 
Can you call on the presence of the Lord and sense him come near to you and pray and know his comfort will come? Do you know him like that? If not, you know, today is a great day to make that right. And there's a couple of really easy ways to do that. And it's just through a simple prayer. It says, Lord Jesus, I give you the wheel of my life. I surrender my life to you. And you know what? Sometimes we become Christians and it's kind of awkward because um, it's like we invite Jesus into the car and Jesus is a bit stubborn, right? He says, well, if you're going to invite me in, I only sit behind the driver's seat. I only sit behind the wheel. And some of us, I think, dance around the car going, well, Jesus, I really want you in my car. But you can't drive. And we wonder why this Christian thing doesn't really work for us. Because Jesus only has one seat in the car, and that's behind the wheel. And maybe today you need to give him the wheel. And you find that the peace we talk about at Christmas, the hope we talk about at Christmas, the love we talk about at Christmas, goes to a whole new level. Let me pray. If you'd like to come forward, if you'd like to stand and worship, if you'd like to kneel, whatever you do. But you know what? We do have a will, and our choices are powerful. And if you make a choice to make Jesus your Lord and Savior today, if you make a choice to surrender your life fully to Him and let Him get behind the wheel, that choice has more power than any, any power of the enemy, any power of the devil. Our will aligned with God's will is when we see the victory and when we overcome. Lord Jesus, we just come to you today. We just, take, just want to take a few moments out to make sure not only are we in relationship with you, but that we are completely surrendered to you, myself included. Lord Jesus, have your way with us today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.